Hi, guys. Uh, so we are continuing on with our Kingdom Vision series, but we're looking specifically at this um, mini-series called David and. So last week, Bert talked about uh, Saul and David, David and Saul. And this week, I'm actually going to be talking about Jonathan and David. But first up, um, who is Jonathan? Jonathan, oh gosh, there's like hair on this mic. It's my hair. Um, <laughs> basically, who was Jonathan? Um, last week was Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. Uh, Israelites demanded um, from God a king to rule over them, just like the other surrounding nations. But eventually, he was anxious, nervous, worried, and certain, became more and more insecure, finding excuses to justify himself, seeking control, growing more and more selfish, more and more sin, anger, hate, fear, sadness, jealousy, insecurity, fits of rage, etc., etc. Um, he had many issues, but he had a son. He had a son, and, um, and his son, Jonathan, um, was, yeah, he was one of three, and there are three sons, but mainly Jonathan is the main focus. He's the eldest, and it was by default that Jonathan was going to be the next heir to the throne. But um, looking at what it says in the in scripture, um, just finding out who was Jonathan, what did he do? So the first introduction of Jonathan in scripture was from 1 Samuel 13. And it reads that um, he was very much part of fighting battles alongside Saul. Um, he would attack and help uh, defeat the Philistines. He was very successful in gaining a lot of victories. Um, but I'm not talking to you today about Jonathan as a soldier um, and about how there was one time that Saul made a stupid oath and had his soldiers fast from eating food um, and Jonathan didn't get the memo and then ate some honey um, that belonged to the land after they managed to defeat um, their enemies. And then, you know, Jonathan was meant to die, but no, that didn't happen. He was okay. He didn't die. Um, but today we're going to be looking at this friendship between Jonathan and David um, their, their friendship. Um, and so we first, they first meet basically straight after um, David had been anointed as king by Samuel as priest. And eventually he ends up in the temple, well, not the temple, the royal courts uh, playing this instrument called a lyre instrument. And it's similar to a harp, but it's a small lyre instrument, not lyre as in lyre, lyre, pants on fire, but rather it's like, yeah, it's L-Y-R-E. Um, and that was, that was David playing the instrument to calm Saul's, you know, just calm Saul down because actually Saul at this point had an evil spirit dwelling um, in him and tormenting him at this point. But David, who was filled with the spirit, he was being used by God to help um, calm Saul down. But fast forward to 1 Samuel uh, 17, there's this famous story in the Bible about Goliath, how he's nine foot tall, a massive giant, nobody could defeat him, and he was a Philistine, and, um, but yet David managed to, you know, defeat him, and that was really impressive. Um, he saves the day, and Saul pays attention to this David. Who is this David chap? Um, like, oh, he's the son of Jesse. Um, and then, so basically, what happens is Saul and David were talking, they were done talking, and Jonathan meets David. And right away, there's a connection. In 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, I'm reading from the message version today, partly because it's um, easier to um, digest um, and, it's, and it's quite easy to understand. But um, basically, it reads as this. By the time David had finished reporting to Saul, 
Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. An immediate bond was forged between them. He became totally committed to David. From that point on, he would be David's number one advocate and friend. So right away, you have this um, connection. I'm sure for you guys with your friends, you can recount the first time you met them, especially if they made a lasting impression on you. Um, This morning, I shared about how the first time I met Ben and Mandy here in this church, I was a bit gentle with them that description, but I was, I was like, oh, Brandy's cool. Um, I'm going to help her because I was just visiting. I was from out of town and she needed help setting up mugs, funnily enough, on that table there. This was like going back eight years ago now. And, um, and I'm like, okay, I'll help because I'm here early. And then, and then Ben was like, where do I put these? Where do I put these mugs? Like trying to figure out, you know, what to do. And, and Maddie's like, just put it, just put it there. And I'm like thinking, oh, who is this? who's this white chap in a Chinese church? Like, what's he doing here? I just remember that conversation and then in my head. And then I found out like, oh, they're married. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, but that was my first impression of Ben and Mandy. And, and we've, been, we've all, you know, I, I've, I've loved them since, um, that, that first impression. But for us, you know, we always remember our first impression of someone, um, that first encounter, especially if they made a lasting impression, positive or negative encounter. Um, And that's what happens with Jonathan and David here. When Jonathan met David, they really gelled. They really connected. Jonathan was deeply impressed with David. In the ESV version, um, it it reads as the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David's. That connection, that incredible spark, an immediate bond. Um, We get it if we're instantly connected um, and we form that immediate bond. You naturally take a strong liking to them. You're impressed and you really enjoy being with them. You just want to hang out and spend time with them. Um, I was hanging out with uh, Ben and Mandy last night and it was um, really on point and it was like a lot of fun and um, I was hanging out with their kids and things like that. But um, but yeah, you just want to spend time with them just like how um, David and Jonathan, they, were, they, they had that immediate bond that was forged between them. But reading on, um, we, we read on in uh, 1 Samuel 18, 2-4. Saul received David into his own household that day, no more to return to the home of his father. Jonathan, out of his deep love for David, made a covenant with him. This was a covenant Jonathan made with David. Okay, this was the covenant made with David. Um, The NLT translated as a solemn pact. Um, It's like a promise to be bros, to be BFFs forever type thing, to remain loyal. This bro code, a brotherhood, a pact. In Chinese, we would call it like hingdai, shongdi type thing. And, um, you know, in in females, it would be GMA, zimoi and things. And like when you make a solemn pact, uh, it's it's funny because the other day, one of my female friends was like, promise you won't tell anyone the secret. And I was like, Okay. Stick out your little pinky. And I was like, okay. What about your thumbs? Make a stamp. I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, I'm stuck. I'm like stuck. I've, I've made this promise, like a, zol- a solemn vow, a, like a pact, um, not to disclose any information. Um, so basically here, um, for Jonathan and David, they had that covenant, that pact, that solemn pact. Um, it's a promise. Why? Because of his deep love for David. He loved him as his own soul. Um, And it reads on, he formalized it with solemn gifts, his own royal robe and weapons, armor, sword, bow, and belt, okay? He sealed the deal, um, sealed the pact with gifts. Um, Jonathan gave David his robe, 
tunic, his coat, garment, clothes, garb type thing, um, sword, bow, and belt. That was his gift, um, partly because he loved David. Um, that royal robes was because David, David was to be treated like royalty, just like Jonathan was royalty. Um, Jonathan saw that in David, and he gave David because he deserves to have, you know, his sword and his bow and his belt. These are military equipment. So it's like Jonathan supporting David in, you know, fighting and, and being part of the military. And David is no longer a shepherd boy. He needs to dress the part if he's going to be living in the royal courts now. David's past life of being a shepherd boy is no more, but rather he's a prince now. Um, but this outfit, clothing, David, as, as it were, is pretty cool because, um, well, to be honest, we have the benefit of hindsight, and we know that actually Jonathan's pact of um, you know, clothing David, we know that David eventually becomes king. Um, this act of Jonathan giving David all these things is a sign of things to come. Jonathan views David highly, loves him, but it's actually, there's a similarity of souls as well, from head to toe, you know, they, they're sharing things here. And in those days, to give such gifts, dressing them in their royal outfit um, was the highest form of honor. Um, this whole outfit was costly, and clearly Jan um, Jonathan was incredibly generous. Um, but moving on. Uh, we know that Jonathan, through um, this early encounter when they first met, that he, Jonathan is incredibly loyal, committed, and generous. Um, he's a loyal friend. They made that pact. And it's not just brief loyalty, but there's more examples to come as well now. So if you read from 1 Samuel 19, um, 1 to 3, and basically this is what happened. Um, Saul called his son Jonathan together with the servants and ordered them to kill David. That's so strong. Um, but because Jonathan treasured David, he went and warned him. So he literally went to David and just like pre-warned him. My father is looking for a way to kill you. Here's what are you what you're going to do. You're going to go somewhere tomorrow and stay hidden, and I'll I'll try and negotiate with my father and and see what he says, um, and I'll report back to you. So that's basically what happened. Um, yeah. So Jonathan learning about this assassination of David and you know reporting that, but um, but then uh, from verse four to six, Jonathan brought brought David up with his father, speaking well of him, and he was trying to urge him. You know, oh. What's he done? Don't attack him. What's he done? He's not done anything to wrong you. Um, look at all the good things that he's done. He's, you know, put his life on the line, and he's killed, that f he's killed the Philistine, and what a great victory, and all this. And eventually, you know, he manages to convince Saul not to assassinate David. Um, you're right. As God lives, David lives. He will not be killed. That's what he said, okay? That's what Saul said. Um, Saul promises his son that David won't be killed. And reading on, 7 to 10. And then um, Jonathan sent for David and reported to him everything that was said. And then, um, then he brought David back to Saul and everything was as it was before. And then moving on forward, um, yeah, David was still in court. And at this point, um, but then a black mood from God um, settled over Saul and took control of him. Um, and he was sitting at home his spear in his hand while David was playing music. Suddenly, Saul tried to skewer David with his spear, but David ducked. The spear stuck to the wall, and David got away. Okay, so Saul, 
in his full insecurity, he's very unstable, um, has a tormenting black spirit here, black mood, um, and one day tries to murder David by throwing the spear aiming for him. Um, so, like, obviously it makes sense that David would want to flee off um, to protect his, his own life from this very unstable, paranoid Saul. Um, obviously, we also know that from last week, Saul was uh, very jealous and very insecure and saw that David was a threat to his throne. Um, but the second account of loyalty from Jonathan um, goes from 1 Samuel 20. It's quite a long passage, but I'll summarize it. Basically, um, David is scared. He runs off, constantly living in fear, um, living, um, it, you know, fear of his life, scared for his life. And, um, and he, he goes up to um, Jonathan, and David asks Jonathan, What have I done? What did I do? What wrong have I inflicted on your father that makes him so determined to kill me? And Jonathan says, nothing. You've done nothing wrong. Um, and you're not going to die, Jonathan says. Really, you're not. My father tells me everything. He, he does nothing, without, whether big or small, without confiding in me. So why would he do this behind my back? It can't be. Like, Jonathan isn't convinced that, you know, you know Saul's going to is out to get David. And David makes this vow in ESV and NLT. They say that um, David took an oath, like he swore, I swear that he, you know, I swear that um, Saul is out to get me type of thing. Um, but Jonathan, in his loyalty to their friendship, um, he, he, he says, you know, it, it's not going to happen. David swears that this is the truth, um, that David is very convinced. Um, Jonathan doesn't know what to do. He asks David, uh, what can I do to help? Um, which is kind of a good thing, because actually, as friends, we don't, always know what to do, like how best to help. We might think we do, but actually sometimes it's better to ask your friend, how can I do to help? Um, he's a good friend, basically, Jonathan. And um, in 1 Samuel 20, um, verse 5 to 23, which we're not going to look at, um, basically there's a whole narrative about uh, this whole plan discussion between David and Jonathan for Jonathan to test the waters to see if Saul is really angry and loses his temper when um, in the in the king's court, they were going to have this celebration of the new moon festival where they had a three-day um, fine dining experience. Um, but basically, David wasn't going to show up and he was going to test and, and ask Jonathan to see if, you know, Saul would be upset about David's absence. Um, ask, you know, Jonathan to lie that, oh, I'm going to go back home to Bethlehem and um, do some worship to God over there um, with a family reunion. But we know, we find out in 1 Samuel um, 20, 5 to 8, as seen here, um, David reminds Jonathan of the brother Solemn Pact, um, this covenant between them and God, their promise of loyalty to be kept to each other. Um, David said, if he is guilty of doing anything bad against Saul, Jonathan should kill David. But he pleads, please don't betray me. And Jonathan's response was, never, no way. If I knew my dad was going to kill you, I'd tell you right away. So then he goes off and, um, and checks it and tests it and um, promises that. Um, and as we see here in um, 11 to 17, that Jonathan swears on his life to tell David, if I don't warn you, may the Lord strike me and kill me. And these are incredible words of loyalty um, and promises made to each other. Jonathan even blesses um, David like a prayer. May the Lord be with you as he used to be with my father. May you treat me with the steadfast or hesed kind of love of the Lord as long as I live. But if I die, treat my family with that love, please. 
this vow, this covenant, this solemn pact, they promise to each other. And then, um, and then it, it goes and happens. And then uh, Jonathan goes into the court. David hides. And Saul is pretty much angry. Um, by day two of that feast, um, that meal, he is very angry with the absence of David. And fits of rage um, happen, and um, he, s- he starts yelling all sorts of abuse at his own son. Like, how crazy is that? His own son just yelling at him <coughs> and saying, basically, um, he's the son of a rebellious woman. In other translations, um, he says that he's the son of the whore. Um, that Jonathan has brought great shra- shame to him and his mother. That Jonathan should be king next. He is the rightful heir to the throne, but unfortunately, if David is still alive, Jonathan will never be king. Now go kill David type of thing. And, but instead, Jonathan here is super, super loyal. Um, he ends up um, just storming out, upset with his father, obviously, um, and he sends a signal to David to go and escape. They say goodbye, and um, there's lots of tears and hugs. Um, and then eventually... Moving forward to 1 Samuel 23, after a period of no exchanges between these two friends, obviously David's in hiding um, still, trying to get away from Saul. Jonathan went and went out to go and find David during his difficult time. Um, and, and it said that David continued to live in the desert hideouts in the, black, in, in the back country, not black country, um, <laughs> wilderness. Sorry, excuse me. We're not in Birmingham. Um, and Saul was still looking, af- looking for him day after day, but God never turned David over to him. And eventually, Jonathan, um, Saul's son, visited David in Horesh and encouraged him in God. The fact that Jonathan encouraged David in God, okay? He said, don't despair. My father Saul can't lay a hand on you. You will be Israel's king, and I'll be right at your side to help. And my father knows it. Then the two of them made a covenant before God. David stayed at Horesh, and Jonathan went home. So Jonathan is incredibly loyal. He's committed. He's also an encourager. Is that coming up? Yeah, there it is. He's loyal, committed. He's very helpful. He's protective. He's an encourager. And he sacrifices and he shows up. Okay. Um, but let's, let's move on forward to this bit, to David. Okay. So David... After a period of time in the narrative, sorry, I am consolidating a lot of reading <laughs> from um, from Samuel, um, the book of Samuel, the first and second, and um, into like this this minuscule little snippet. Oops, sorry, why is this on? Blinding myself. Um, consolidating all the narrative, and basically, we're going to fast forward to, unfortunately, the end of Saul and Jonathan's life. Um, Saul and Jonathan die in battle along with Saul's other sons, so there is no other possibility of um, getting the heir to the throne. It's like, it's pretty much like um, Game of Thrones, isn't it? With, um, yeah, people lining up for the next, um, to be the king next. But um, but David, in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 1, I think it's, it should be here, yes. Um, 2 Samuel chapter 1, he hears about this news. Um, obviously, David was so sad and sorrowful, and he had loads of emotions, and we all know that David wrote um, majority of the Psalms. But in the midst of his mourning, um, he wrote a funeral song, a lamentation, and taught it to the people to sing. It's, it was like David's way of um, giving a special tribute um, to King Saul, the first king of Israel, and to Jonathan. 
he taught this song to the people. This was David's way of having Israel remember the greatness of Saul. David had a right to recount all the bad stuff that Saul um, did um, and said, um, and the fact that Saul was after David for, for, for a long period. But he didn't. He chose not to. Amazingly, David still loved and respected um, this, this first, king of, first king of Israel who was anointed by the Lord. There was no bitterness, no gloating, um, no cheering over the death of someone who was out to kill him. But instead, David mourns because it's the death of the anointed king. He has forgiven Saul and pays tribute to King Saul. And you can also tell that um, Jonathan and David had a deep friendship. During um, this funeral song, um, this lamentation, he also recounts Jonathan's good, good qualities. But he really does weep for Jonathan and expresses how much he absolutely loved this brother um, and how Jonathan's love for David was even more than a love of a woman. Um, and that's saying something because actually um, David had seven wives. Um, but side point, this isn't a homosexual type of love, but rather it was a deep covenantal love, just like how Christ loves the church. Um, a deep love that is bound by the covenant of Christ to us, um, swearing loyalty and promising love no matter what, okay? Um, it wasn't a sexual love, but it was a, a friendship love. It was a, it was a deep um, covenantal love. And so to recap, um, where's that? There it is. Oh, oh, I didn't click it. It's meant to scroll because you're meant to see how like wordy this poem is. Oh, sorry, Lamentation Song. Um, and it, yeah, it basically talks about Saul and it talks about Jonathan and your friendship was a miracle wonder. That's what the message version reads. Um, Love far exceeding anything I've known and ever hoped to know. The mighty warriors fallen, fallen, and the arms of war broken to bits. So obviously he's, he's in mourning here. Um, so just to recap, um, Saul, King Saul, his son, Jonathan. Um, by default, Jonathan would have been the rightful heir to the throne. Um, Saul was very insecure, um, very, very paranoid, especially um, wh when David comes on the scene and um, he sees that David's a threat, um, could be a pot potential king, um, but Saul wants to kill David, tries to get Jonathan to see that for as long as David is alive, there's a threat to the throne. Jonathan, on the other hand, acknowledges that David is the anointed, um, anointed one as the next king, and the Lord has, has appointed him. Um, they make a covenant, a, sovereign, uh, a solemn pact, promising loyalty. And there's overlap in this Venn diagram, partly because, um, yeah, there's that, just to demonstrate that, that connection there, that solemn pact. Um, so this Venn diagram, it, it's a friendship. If it's overlapped, I would have, that would have been for marriage um, because, you know, we all know that two become one and they become one flesh. Um, but, but this is just a friendship because, you know, they're not intimate or anything. Otherwise, it would have said in the Bible. But it, it's not reported. <laughs> and um, they were completely friends. And they had that loyalty. They had that connection. Um, and they, they promised to, 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 to be loyal to each other. And so I thought, oh... Through the, all these um, Bible passages that I've shown you today, a consolidated, summarized version, um, what can we learn about the friendship of David and Jonathan? Like, what can we learn um, through it all? What's the take-home point that I want you guys to have this evening? Um, the first point is that there's, for, for Jonathan and David, there's that commitment and loyalty that we can learn a lot from. Um, so I actually really like reading articles about friendship. Um, 
I don't, I wouldn't read about spouses because I don't have one. Um, but so then I like to read about friendships because, you know, I do have friendships. I have, I have these relationships called friends. Um, and one article that I, I always remember is that um, the number one thing to keep uh, long lasting friendship happening is to keep being loyal, keep showing up, um, showing up in their lives, um, keep being there, keep being present and put in an effort to be loyal. Because if you eventually lose touch, um, it seems normal to not show up. Um, and there's this term called what we call ghosting, where you like fizzle off into the distance. You've lost touch or you intentionally do that. Um, but, but as for Jonathan and David, their friendship, they were incredibly loyal and committed to one another. They defended each other and they helped each other out. They built each other up um, because they saw the potential in each other. Jonathan clearly saw that David was the anointed one, saw him as a future king and gifted him with those gifts those military items in his robes. He saw his potential and helped him out. And I'm also reminded that Jonathan and David, they did life together, okay? Um, life together is, is very important that we do life together. There is support. Um, I really enjoy attending life group, partly because, um, yeah, some of the best times of my spiritual walk is when I have a community around me um, in support. Um, and, and I'm also, you know, there are times where I'm not that strong. And so it's good to have other strong uh, brothers and sisters be the, be the support for me. And th there are times when I'm good and not, not everyone's good and I'll support them. But it's good to have that life and do life together. Uh, we have life groups. Um, if you want more information, come and speak to us. That sounds like an announcement. Um, but basically, life together is very important. Why? Because sin likes to creep on upon those who are alone. So I'll paraphrase Ecclesiastes 4, where it reads, two are better than one. There's a good return for their labor. If one falls down, one, uh, the other one can help them up. Two lie down together and, and they, they, they can keep warm. And then a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So there is loads of support when you are in a community, when you are with other brothers and sisters. Um, and it's easier for Satan to attack someone if they are by themselves without any accountability with any support. Um, just like how when an animal is um, hunting, a large animal, be it a lion or whatever, they will single out an animal, okay? They'll, they'll run, but they'll single out an animal and chase that individual animal that they are targeting because it's by far easier to catch that one than to, you know, catch them all. Um, and so I'm reminded, <laughs> gotta catch them all. Um, but I, I really like this quote um, that, um, yeah, so our Girl Life group ha have been doing this series called um, Not Alone. And this quote was mentioned during our first week. And it reads as follows from Dietrich Bonhoeffer from Life Together. Um, Sin demands to have, to have a man by himself. It withdraws him, him from the community. The more isolated a person is, the more destructive will be the power of sin over him. And the more deeply he becomes involved in it the more disastrous is his isolation. Sin wants to remain unknown. It shuns the light. In the darkness of the unexpressed, it poisons the whole being of a person. So that is sin um, trying to attack that one person. But I know that, you know, with the support, when, when you are struggling with sin, it's good to reach out. It's good to be like, hey guys, I'm, I'm not having a good time. I'm really struggling. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to, to share those struggles and those, those burdens with one another. Um, and so, yeah, 
life together. Jonathan and David were an incredible blessing and, and they were encouraging and building each other up. Um, we can see that Jonathan went out of his way to go and visit David to encourage him, to keep um, reminding David to keep having faith. Um, and they recommitted their covenant of loyalty to one another. And I'm reminded that relationships all take time. Um, just like marriage, marriages take time. Friendships also take time too. It's, um, it's a blessing to have relationships. God has given all of us um, relationships, romantic or friendships, in any shape or size or form. Um, and it's still very important to, you know, keep encouraging each other and to build each other up and to bless each other, um, to be that blessing. And it includes praying to God for each other and with each other. And I'm reminded that communication is always key, key in all relationships, be it marriage or friendships. Um, I realize that, yeah, in marriage, I guess you're marrying your best friend. Um, but, but yeah, kind of, um, but, but basically, yeah, <laughs> um, it's still, it's still a relationship regardless. Um, and in the Bible, in the Old Testament, um, there's this term called hesed type love, hesed love. And, um, it, it basically means loving kindness or charity or mercy or grace, loving kindness. Um, hesed love is, is quite sacrificial and it's very related to that unconditional love. Um, I put down sacrifice partly because um, I know that Jonathan really sacrificed. He sacrificed his right to the throne. He sacrificed his right to be king. And he saw that actually David, um, he, he's, he should be king. He's going to be king. Um, so sacrifice for us today, what does that look like um, when it comes to friendships? Um, it can include sacrificing our time. Um, it could also mean sacrificing our energy, especially when we're tired and, and you know, you have a crying friend who um, has showed up at your door and is, like, really upset. Um, and so you have, to, you have to spend time. You have to give energy. Um, sometimes even spending money, like it's someone's birthday. It's a big one. And um, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give them a gift um, because I know that, you know, this, this will bless them. Um, we've all heard of the five love languages. There's um, words, um, giving words of encouragement to, to, to build someone up. There's quality time, um, spending time together, acts of service where you are doing stuff for them, you're providing a service. Um, there's gifts, which requires money, or you could make something, which, um, which then will mean time. Um, time and money being the commodity here. And then there's touch. Um, there's hugs, kisses, maybe a pat on the back um, or a side hug, um, things like that. But all of these things, these sacrifices that we all have um, to give from time to time, um, they're, they're really important um, to invest in a friendship. Um, there's compromise as well. David gave up his rightful position. Um, and there's mutual affection. Oh, is it on the next one? Oh, no, I didn't do it. Okay, mutual affection is, um, I quoted it from 2 Peter 1.5.7, and it reads as this. Um, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness self, um, knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. In other translations, um, they, uh, you know, he, he uses the word um, brotherly love 
or we can you can say between sisters as well. Um, but but the important word here right now is make every effort, and it's not easy. I know that you guys know that as Christians, it's not easy, but it's something that we should be doing to make every effort to have that mutual affection, um, this unconditional love that demonstrates God's love. Um, And it's hard. Um, There are moments where you might feel hurt or betrayed or offended. Maybe the other person is a bit unstable. Maybe there's miscommunication. There's a misunderstanding. Um, But it's still choosing to love unconditionally just as much as God loves us, okay? We love because God first loved us. That's why we love. Um, But it's also learning to forgive as much as um, David forgave Saul too. And I'm reminded um, from this this whole David and Jonathan um, character study is that when Jonathan passed away, um, David wrote a tribute song. He really like appreciated their friendship. He was obviously very sad, but he was very like appreciative of their friendship. Um, so I'm reminded as our take home point as well with our friendships, our relationships to appreciate. Don't wait until they've passed away to show that appreciation that you really treasure their friendship. To be open um, about how you, you know, you, you, you love them, that you treasure them. Um, and I think that's really important in all our relationships to appreciate them. Um, so Jonathan and David, they're generous to appreciate, to encourage, and to commit to each other and to pray for one another. Um, but last night, as I was going through my slides and um, just about to send, send them off to Bert, um, I think so God really spoke to me um, through these Venn diagrams, actually, um, how you see that overlap between Jonathan and David. But Saul, during his whole, whole time... Um, between this friendship, he tried to get in there. He tried to, he tried to kind of affect them. And um, Saul tried to convince Jonathan to kill David. Um, Saul was at constantly trying to get David to kill him. And so Saul, in this in this Venn diagram, I see that as like sin. Um, Jonathan and David, there's basically sin trying to get in. And I see it as like maybe you're, you're Jonathan and your friend is David or whatnot. Um, and, and sin is trying to get in and affect your friendships with one another. Um, sin always tries to jeopardize our relationships. Um, and so the question that I want to ask you right now is, are you going to let sin or soul enter and wreak havoc in your relationships? God wants us to love. God wants us to be loyal and commit to one another to forgive. But Satan doesn't want any of that. Satan doesn't want um, God's love to be demonstrated. Satan doesn't agree with the covenant commitment, that overlap in that Venn diagram. And I'm reminded of this because, um, yeah, during, during that little, like, moving down of this, this uh, circle of uh, Saul, I was reminded of uh, this, this dear friend that I had um, growing up. And she was um, one of my really good, close, best friends when I first met her, when I used to go to a youth group as a teenager, when I first met her, I was just like, whoa, she's amazing. She's like, she's like my twin. And like, we're like, you know, yeah, we, we, we were cool. We were like BFFs. We were attached to the hip and we were just like, yeah, everyone knew us as, you know, the twins and things like that. And, um, even her, yeah, like 
she was short as well and that was cool too and it was it was like yeah we we understood each other and and she was uh, a few months older than me and um yeah so i really i loved her i loved spending time with her it was like yeah we we enjoyed each other's company we were close we were like tight like that and um but eventually um university came it was hard. Um, we we were BFFs. I, I feel like there was some uh, covenantal pact uh, between these two sisters, and um, it was tough because you know we were going through life, and um, and eventually when she left university, she moved away, and she really struggled in this really uh, sinful relationship. And I, as a as her best friend, I thought you know actually I feel convicted that. God wants me to really speak into her and encourage her. You know, maybe this relationship is a bit questionable and um, are you putting your relationship with God first? And I try to, you know, speak into that. And, and it was hard. It was really hard. Like, how do you, how do you speak and, and out of love for someone that you deeply love and want to be loyal to? Um, but yet, you know, my friend was quite far away from God and she was struggling in her own faith. And, and eventually, you know, through the years as it passed, um, it was getting harder and harder to commit and to have that um, that friendship going. And uh, I remember, you know, she she was quite she was, she was a good friend. Um, like even even as I was thinking and processing last night, I was trying not to cry. Um, and even this morning, I struggled to paint a decent picture as to my friendship with her. And and it and it kind of deteriorated through time, partly because her faith um, in God deteriorated. And it was, it was really difficult because sin um, was starting to get more and more in that friendship. And, and, and she was detaching herself from church life. And a lot of her friends were non-Christians. And I think I was probably the only Christian friend that she kind of kept in touch with. And people warned me, oh, I don't think she was ever really a Christian. And I'm like, no, that's not right for you to say that. Like, I strongly believe that, you know, maybe she's a prodigal she's a prodigal daughter and she'll one day come back and and I I want to be that faithful friend who will keep um, being there for her but it just got really hard partly because you know um I was I was I was up here in Birmingham she came and visited once um just to see what my life was like up here and I think that was her way of maybe saying goodbye um but sorry but 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 before she left I was I was quite sad because during that whole weekend we hadn't prayed and we, um, I was re- it was really hard for me to speak faith s- stuff with her. Like, I'm, like she came to church, and I think that was probably like a, a time where she was so far away from God. But as, as she was about to board the train, um, I asked her, you know, we had like 15 minutes to spare, and we were at New Street, and um, I asked her, can, can, I pray, can I pray for you right now? And, and she outwardly was like, no, I don't want you to pray for me. And, and, and it was just like so painful to know that, you know, she was rejecting this prayer. Um, it was, it, I was just going to pray a blessing over her and, um, and for God to, you know, just, just be with her. But she just outwardly said no. And, and then through the years, it was really hard to keep um, reaching out. Um, and eventually, like I couldn't keep up with her life. Like there was a string of relationships. And, and eventually I find out like on Facebook, after a period of silence that she was engaged and I'm like whoa in shock like you would surely think that your best friend would let you know that she's engaged but no um like we were BFFs from childhood no not childhood but teenage years and it was like oh yeah 
it, it's assumed that I would be her maid of honor and she would be mine type of thing. But like, I didn't even know she was engaged. And, and next thing you know, I apologize. And, and then I, I got the names mixed up and she was really upset with me. And basically there was a lot of like miscommunication and, and things weren't ever fixed, partly because you know, our friendship was deteriorating and it was so painful. And so I think every time, you know, my, my home friends see me, they want to ask about this female, this, this, this friend, but they, they're, they're not sure how I feel because they're, they're scared they might upset me because, you know, it's still quite raw. But I remember, you know, one day I was like, God, I'm just going to surrender this, this friend to you because, yeah, it's so painful to see her um, leave you. Um, but I'm going to surrender her to you, God, um, and I pray a blessing over t over her, and I just I just pray that God, you know, one day she will come back, that she would be, you know, that prodigal daughter. And even as I was praying um, over my calling and like asking God to affirm me in my calling, as I was, you know, going through Bible school, I remember seeing pictures of her and along with um, loads of other faces, and one of the faces was her, that she would come back, and and so so I think that though it's not like the Venn diagram with just the two of us, I know that God will, you know, reach out to her. Um, and obviously, I still very much care and love, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a painful um, relationship. Um, and all relationships, all friendships are, you know, God gives us these friendships during a season. Um, God gives us these friendships and relationships for a season, um, some for very long seasons, for some for very short seasons, but there's so much that we can all learn from these friendships. Um, and as for David and Jonathan, I'm reminded that, you know, in that, that Venn diagram, that connection there, um, the thing that, you know, that they had was things like commitment, there's loyalty, there's doing life together, there's blessing, there's encouraging, there's building each other up, there's hesed, loving kindness, there's sacrifice, there's unconditional love, there's being generous, appreciating, committing, and being prayerful for one another. So finally, um, if you don't have a friend like David um, had Jonathan, I would encourage you to pray for a friend like that. Um, I know for me, you know, um, even moving to Birmingham, I prayed that I would have um, like friends because I think for females, uh, we like to have that emotional connection as well. Not to say that guys don't, but um, different type of friendship. But, um, but, but for girls, definitely, well, I, I love it when, you know, girls will listen and, and, and you know, have that, have that listening ear. Um, guys I guess do as well <laughs> but anyway um, but I think it's really important whatever situation you are wherever you know if you're starting a new class or whatever to pray for that friend pray for that friendship that God will provide a friend um, that will be loyal and that you can be loyal to um, pray that you know for God to reveal to you someone who needs a Jonathan a loyal friend in their life and for you to be that friend um, and pray for um, that the souls or the sins in our lives don't affect our relationships with one another, one another. And when they do, to be able to move past those things and to seek that reconciliation and to forgive and move forward. Um, and pray for more opportunities to demonstrate that covenantal commitment, that covenantal love that God demonstrated through, you know, his act of giving us his son. Um, and I pray that God will help all of us in our relationships. Let me just pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you now, and God, we, we know that, God, you are, we love because you first loved us, and we thank you, Father, for that act of love that you would send your son, Jesus, to die for us, 
And so, Lord, I just pray, Father, for all of us this evening that, Father, um, for us that, for some of us that don't have um, a friend like David had Jonathan, I pray that, God, you would um, give us that friend. Um, I pray that, Father, you would reveal to us someone who needs um, a Jonathan in their life. And I pray, Father, that, God, you can help us to be loyal friends, um, to have that commitment, to demonstrate your love. Um, but, Lord, I just pray that, um, God, you help us when there are sins, to help us to um, move beyond those sins, to, to be able to move past those things and reconcile and to seek uh, forgiveness. Um, but, Lord, I just pray, Father, that, God, you help us to commit, to be loyal, to, to have friends to do life together with, to be a blessing, to encourage one another, to build each other up, to have that hesed loving kindness, to sacrifice, to have that, you know, demonstrate unconditional love, to be generous, to appreciate, to commit, and to keep praying with one another. And I really thank you, Father, for this community, and I thank you that, Father, um, that God, though there are so many lonely people in this world, and there are so many people that have yet to know who you are. I pray that, God, you would use us to be that, you know, Christian friend that reaches out, to be that person that speaks um, truth and life into, into them, Lord. Would you use us, use us to show your love. And so, Lord, we pray and ask all these things in your son's most precious name. Amen. I pass the time over to Clement and the team. Thanks.